0: Hello, welcome to Utabia, Stephen Chicken here again as usual with James Hartrick, sorry I mean Dave Hartrick, oh that <laughs> is difficult isn't it?
1: Yeah, if you do get that reference, pat yourself on the back.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're coming off the back of Huddersfield Town, back to William Ways, a 2-0 against Queen's Park Rangers, who I've looked into it, I don't think they are actually Park Rangers, I don't think they've done the necessary qualifications unless I'm mistaken, but Nevertheless, they've got their Royal Charter. Good on them. Get the work where you can get it. So, Town won 2 0 in a game that was pretty dull for the first half.
1: Oh, uh, what, what did you make generous. to that
0: first half, Dave?
1: Well, yeah. y- you, you know exactly what I made of that first half because you were with me in the press room at half-time. I thought, I mean, it, there's dull and there really is... I, I mean, nothing happened. <laughs> that QPR hit the post and that was about it. It was... I think, that like, where we are up in the press box, it's difficult for us to tell exactly what it's like at pitch side, but Danny Cowley seems to suggest that the, the wind basically ruined the game first half, didn't they? Um, I don't know if it was yeah. the wind, but Danny Simpson's free kick, to those who did see it, basically summed up the first half in truth. Um, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't good. Before we start analysing town... Es a
0: really good player, isn't he, Steve? Yeah, he he played well against us uh, at the start of the season as well. And that one-all draw we had under under Yancey at second game, he was good there as well. He was, I think, we said first half everyone was a five out of ten, apart from him and Smith Rowe. They were the only two that that looked like making anything happen for mm. either side. Um, and it was as his cross that that went in, and and the corner ball that Grant Hall put against against the post. Incidentally, QPR's, the names of QPR's players, they've got ball and chair and hall. And it is just like someone's been looking around the room trying to come up with names for fictional players. I'm not sure that QPR actually really exists on that evidence. Criticising
1: uh, uh, people's surnames, are you, Stephen Chicken? I certainly am.
0: Yeah. It, and I'm not entirely sure that they exist after watching that first half either because it did feel a little bit like a, a strange fever dream.
1: Yeah. it, it was the, the problem with the first half was there was it started off like really, not frenetic, but just really like the first five minutes, both teams were just so clumsy. And I mean, I leaned over to you like three minutes in and said, QPR are so bad at the back. They, they literally presented town with the ball about three times in the first five minutes from the goalkeeper rolling it out. It was so bizarre, and I thought, "Oh, town have got a massive chance here because QPRs just aren't very good. But then it just descended into sort of a bit of sterile possession followed by an absolutely woeful pass out of touch or straight to the opposition. or It just, the quality was really down in that first half. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, say, Danny Cowley's lying or anything, but that can't just have been down to the weather. I mean, both sides were just as bad. Don't get me wrong. Both sides were were terrible, I thought. Um, But, yeah, QPR was was slightly on top, and obviously that Grant Hall header hitting the post was as as close as as anyone got, but it really was a first half that lived about 30 seconds into half-time in the memory because it was, I mean, it was poor. But a lot better second half, wasn't it, I thought?
0: Yeah there was at least some entertainment on display in the second half and, and obviously they got the two goals town mm. the first one came from from Harry Toffolo making a long busted run up that left-hand side Giannino Obicuña actually did really really well yeah, to did, hold off yeah. his man and yeah. and get the ball into Toffolo Toffolo went down in the box and Danny Cowley said afterwards the fourth official had told him the referee had played advantage there, and that he would have brought it back for a penalty if play hadn't continued, but Toffolo, straight back to his feet, put the cross in for Kachunga, and we've seen him miss a couple of headers from point-blank range, but even he couldn't miss this one, could he?
1: No, I, I think it's like, I was really impressed with Toffolo there, because I, I have spoken about, like, I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod, but there is a sort of Gary Neville factor in full that I like, which is, I like Fullbacks like Neville, who are, they're never a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, but they never drop below a 6 out of 10, they're just very, very steady and deliver just a constant level of performance, and Tuffalo has done that in every game he's played for Town, and that, I mean, it was his first assist in the Townshire, it was it was a really, like you say, it was a proper lung-busting run, you know, literally one end of the pitch to the other, wasn't it? You sent me the goal, man, yeah. and it was like... Yeah, it was incredible, really. And I think that's what I talked about when we did that. those best 11s, about just leaving that flank to Toffolo. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, have Grant yeah. or whoever in front of him, but don't worry about it, because Toffolo can do it all. And I think it's worth saying that not only was it a great run and had a sort of real chance of persistence, brilliant to dig that cross out, because it's, it's quite a short cross, so you've sort of got to stab the ball to get it up and over and onto Kachunga's Kuchunga, uh, head, because it's not like crossing it from the byline. And, yeah, it was, it was just excellent work, wasn't it,
0: really? Yeah, good, good goal all round, and probably one of the first times that anyone strung together a sequence of, of six or seven passes in the whole game. It was, it was a nice move. It sort of came from Jonathan Hogg winning the ball just outside his own box, and they, they went back and across, and out to Smithrow on the right. Smithrow brought it in, uh, basically went from the, the right byline, all the way into the the centre circle, into Toffolo, Bakuna, Toffolo, Kachunga. And it was a a nice move and it's nice to see, although it came from their own end, Town actually putting together a passing move that results in a goal because that's the kind of sort of clinical incision that has largely been lacking from their their play this season.
1: Yeah, the sort of interesting contrast there is they were playing against QPR and QPR were doing what, Town have done a lot of the a lot of the season to date really before we we're, we're turning the corner massively now, which is a lot of sterile possession and a lot of having the ball in the opposition half, but just working it from one side and not being able to do anything with it you know the q p r had nearly a hundred more passes than town in the game, um twenty odd more in the attacking third, more take ons more crosses. But they just they just didn't do enough with the ball. And you're right; it was nice to see Town break and you know do do to QPR what several players have done to have done to Town over the season today. And you look at some of the stats in terms of like passes and chances created. It's all they're all QPR players. But what Town have, that did was they got the key areas right. Smith was. Brilliant. Every time he was on the ball, it was, he was incredibly effective. Eze completely disappeared from the game when Jonathan Hogg wiped him out about five minutes into the second half. um, And he just disappeared into his shell so much so that QPR actually rejigged it. And Eze ended up playing as as a deeper line midfielder at one point instead of the sort of, I mean, he really was doing damage, just drifting in and sort of sometimes playing as a 10, sometimes playing wide. So they dealt with that threat as well. Um, yeah, but that that 1-0 at that point was actually pretty deserved because Town had come out second half with a lot more purpose. Um, and yeah, just that. You can see the difference in Town because they win the ball now and they immediately look forward. They, they do what other teams have done to them, which is they know that the forward ball hurts teams in this division. You don't have to just constantly recycle the ball from left to right. You know, go at them, drive at them, and Smith-Rowe gets his head up and just wants to take a man on. And, yeah, I, I, it was richly deserved at that point. There was the, the question over whether Kachunga was going to come off. Cowley said it was Andy King who was going to come on as sub. But Chris Willock was sent to warm up with intent, and I saw the paperwork go in for a couple of subs, so I suspect Kachunga was going to come off. <laughs> if not, If not at the same time as King was coming on, then maybe a minute or two after but that's football isn't it he was possibly going to come off and then in four minutes he scored a goal and assisted the penalty so
0: yeah that's it I mean I thought we had a bit of a discussion about it because I saw that that Mel gave Kachunga a six whereas I thought after his goal he was you know he was brilliant he was he was at the middle of everything he was you know making runs he looked every inch like a player who who had suddenly got a confidence boost and and turned into 2016-17 Elias Kachunga but as you quite you and Mel quite rightly pointed out to me before then he he hadn't really been in the game at all so you can understand why if Cowley was about to take him off and it and uh, I believe that that Radio Leeds directly asked him if Kachunga was going to come off we asked if Willock was going to go on. They asked him if Kachunga was the man that was going to go off, and he said no. Uh, but as you say, you suspect that he might have gone off a minute or two later, even if the intention wasn't to bring him on just then. I think it's also worth a mention for Janedio Bakuna, who went off with a bit, a bit of an injury. He he picked up a knock in the first half, so being a, a bit of a dead leg in a in a around the groin, by the looks of things dead groin Yeah, <laughs> no one wants to get a dead groin
1: Name um, right?
0: <laughs> yeah exactly but he as Cowley quite rightly pointed out had been training at right back the whole week and then karl Grant got injured on on Friday was ruled out at sort of 8 o'clock Friday evening and Bakuna had to go and play on the left wing with basically no training time in in that position. He, he has played there before, but not in that four two three one. But I thought he linked up as as he has as other players have done, linked up really well with Toffolo up that left hand side.
1: Yeah, I, and Toffolo gives them, you know, not to repeat myself, but Toffolo can handle that flank. So Bakuna was free to come inside a little bit more and you know look for Toffolo on the overlap and you know. 13 passes attempts in the attacking third shows that he was very, very involved in the game. Um, and like, Kachunga on the other side is way, way down with like six passes attempts in the attacking third. So it shows you the sort of mindset of the two players, really. And I think Bakuna is... I hope his versatility doesn't kill him in the end because, like, I, I like footballers to specialise in positions, really. And I think Bakuna... At the moment, he keeps popping up at right back, you know, he's played as a defensive midfielder, he's played as a 10, he's now played left wing, he's played right wing. I, I would like to see him giving a spell on the right in place of Chunga, but I know that's not a popular opinion with some, but I I think the sort of difference between the two players will start. I know what you're saying about after the goal, but I would sort of expect that because obviously the adrenaline is up, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, but I, I Pacuna and Toffler just worked so much better than Simpson and Kachunga on the right, because Simpson doesn't go forward anymore. Um, I don't think his legs have gone by any stretch, but he, he, you know, he rarely goes sort of over the halfway line with any sort of real attacking attempt. And Kachunga, yeah, I mean,
0: Danny Cowley has said he's a defensive first midfielder, and he he says that's not a bad thing. He likes the mid, the defend the fullbacks that do that, but yeah, he is a stay back type fullback. Yeah. Which, to be fair, you know, is is why they signed him because yeah. we saw the problems it created with with Flo doing the exact opposite.
1: Yeah, and Kachunga is a stay back right winger <laughs> you know he wants yes. he wants to start at a much deeper position and his primary thought is to make sure he covers his fullback make sure he covers his midfielders and it was interesting to see how many times Rowe pulled to the right which was which was notable from his sort of position as number 10 because he was being man-marked smithrow he'd obviously been identified after that fulham game as the danger man and one of the I, I, I was watching him quite intently because I wanted to see how he was going to react to that and what he had in his locker to try and overcome that. And one of the things he's quite noticeably doing first half and into the second half was just pulling into Kachunga's position and trying to pull at least one of the defenders or midfielders who was on him out wide with him to leave that gap there. And Bakuna was stepping in from that left hand side and he was getting a little bit of joy in just a little pocket of space there. And like you say, that's where he picked the ball up and he did well to hold off his man and that's where the first goal ultimately comes from. So, yeah, it was, it was good. Was it a penalty, Steve?
0: Yes, it was one of those that was both definitely a penalty but also soft because <laughs> he's, Kachunga was clearly looking for it, that he's got no intention of trying to take the ball past him and get a shot on goal or getting across. His only thought is, I'm going to run at him, hope he sticks out his leg, and go down, and that's what he did. He, he sort of stuck out a bent leg, and sort of caught him. Uh, Kachunga sort of went across his thigh and went down. It was a definite penalty. Mark Warburton, the QPR manager, after the game had no complaints about it. He, he said, "Yeah, it was a pen, but it was also <laughs> a, a soft one to to give away, a silly one to to give away, a very championship penalty award, wasn't it?"
1: Yeah, I I've seen it. I, I've seen it a few times, and I mean, QPR did go rightly bonkers about it which is why i wanted to have a proper look at it because like defenders know and i know defenders will always claim it's not a penalty but you can tell in their body language when their heart and soul's in it and i i'm honestly not sure there is any movement from the defender towards the chunga at all you know with his leg i i know exactly what you're saying about it both being a penalty and massively soft but he Kachunga kicks his legs out in the direction of the defender and it's when he feels yeah, the yeah. contact there that he goes down rather than any forward movement from the defender and that just makes me feel slightly uncomfortable about it, if I'm honest. Because I sort of I mean, even as a fully paid up member of the strikers' union, I sort of think, What does this, what can the defender do there? <laughs> you know. I'm not
0: sure I'm not sure that he was try to play the ball either though is i think that's what does him is i think he is trying to i mean as i I, I said
1: i i still i I still think think it's probably two-thirds a penalty just yeah but yeah um, i'm not totally convinced but and that it was i don't know like championship referees we've talked a little bit about this and we've both said that we don't want to turn this podcast into a they don't like going over refereeing decisions generally, but championship referees are always going to give that penalty, aren't they, to be fair? Yeah, yeah. And
0: there was no doubt about who was going to take it, despite Giannino Bakuna <laughs> trying to grab the ball. <laughs> and Jonathan Hogg came and stepped in and said, nope, this is Mounier's, and stuck it away. Six in nine now. That's, uh, and we talked a bit about Mounier last week, but that, that form continues, and... I think that was probably Steve Mounier's best performance in a town shirt. I put it in the conclusions, but I just think back to that game against Liverpool at Anfield towards the end of last season, where a through ball was played onto him, and he just looked like he was, you know, running on marbles. He just seemed to go nowhere. Whereas he looks a completely different player now, nine months on. You know, he was. You, you mentioned QPR giving the ball away. A three times in the first five minutes and two of them were a direct result of Steve Meunier pressing from the front in a way that I'm not sure you know that, that you'd normally expect from Fraser Campbell he's clearly up on his on, on his uppers no not that's that's bad isn't it is it bad to be on your uppers
1: I well it's surely got to be better than being on your downers <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's true well I don't know Friday night um but yeah, I mean he's clearly a player in confidence and in form and it's great to see not to bang on about it again but but yeah, good to see, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well he's, he's the, problem, the problem with Mooney is that he's always difficult and awkward to play against, but he's not always dangerous and he's he's over the this run of form he's managed to make himself dangerous again and like it's it's testament really that when he got the ball and put it down for a penalty, I never for even a second thought he would miss. You know, it was was a done deal as soon as he got the ball, really. And Hogg did exactly the right thing, because when you've got a striker who's in form and is scoring, then, yeah, like, give him the penalty, give him the free kick, give him the, you know, give him every opportunity you can to get him on the ball. And I think it's, I get the impression every time we were in a presser with, with Danny Cowley and, he talks about Mounier. I get the impression not that it's a surprise, but that it's perhaps, it's perhaps been a bonus, shall we say? Because um, I think we've spoke about Mounier and how he was, at one point, he wasn't a plan A, he wasn't a plan B. He was almost like a plan B point five. But he's played his way into the team. We're told his attitude has been really good. Uh, you know, haven't we, Steve? Um, and yeah, constantly
0: going in for extra finishing training on his days off. Yeah, apparently they keep trying to give him a rest after games, and he insists on coming in and doing the extra, the extra finishing.
1: Yeah, which is a marked contrast to some of the people he that have been in that squad this season. Um, and it's it's great to see like a player's hard work getting rewards, isn't it? Because um, he's never the work rate's never been in doubt. It's just been the actual physical ability to do. You know, like Campbell comes on at the end to play the higher press and just try and see the game out and stop QPR playing out from the back. Mooney I just cannot do that job, but that doesn't matter because if he gets you six goals in nine games, it just it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> so
0: no, you can you can let him play those seventy minutes and, and then yeah, get someone else to to play the game out. Yeah, I mean we've not even talked about the fact that Carlin Grant missed out, which I think. <laughs> it, it would have been unthinkable a few months ago to, to think that Carlin Grant would miss a game and it would barely get a mention but it, you know, I said to you before the game it's going to take a bit of a team performance here to cover for his absence because you've not got that player on the pitch that can create something out of nothing uh, which was me forgetting about the existence of Emil Smith-Rowe for a second in fairness <laughs> but they, they genuinely played well enough that, that they made sure they didn't miss him yeah. On side.
1: Yeah, and I, not only that, I think it's 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 Toffolo as well. Not to keep going on about it. Yeah, but exactly. Toffolo's ability to to have that whole flank to himself um, and and do what needs to be done means that you feel Grant's absence in both sense going forward and coming back a bit less. And it also, Bakuna was is a great player to be able to move there because. He wants to tuck inside anyway, you know, that's his natural game. He's not going to be able to sort of skin a fullback, go on the outside and whip the ball in with his left foot. So it, in the end, it actually worked out pretty well. But it's it's like they found out at 8 o'clock on Friday night, Danny said in the press conference after, and the fact that Town have been able to shuffle the pack and come away with this win really Again, stands testament to how well that transfer window's gone, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, the fact that they they actually still have a bench and have players they can move into those roles, and yeah, that they've not missed their biggest player in terms of you know goal contribution, both in terms of goals and assists up till now is yeah, as you say, it just shows that the, that they've actually got a little bit of depth there now. Yeah. Which is good to see. And, you know, Danny Cowley was, was quick to praise the substitutions that came on as well. Obviously, Chris Willock only came on in the 90th minute. And I think that was mostly so that Kachunga could get his, his standing yeah. ovation. Yeah, very but much. But so. King and Kink. King and Campbell came on and Campbell did a good job, as you say, closing down and just helping see the game out. And Andy King had two good chances, that, mm. that neither of which were very far away from the edge of the box.
1: The, the first chance was a, was a great effort, you know. I mean, that, yeah. you really should talk about the goalkeeper there because that was a brilliant save. I mean, he, the second one he whistled just wide, but the first one, that was going top corner, top bins, as the kids would say. Um, but I thought when <laughs> what he came does that on even at, mean top bins <laughs> when he came on uh, King I actually thought he looked really good I know we've barely seen anything from him in a town shirt but he just the way he sort of recycled the ball and the way he looked go forward they, they talked about his versatility and how he can play as a defensive midfielder a straight central midfielder or an attacking midfielder and I think you saw a little bit of that actually um, in that game and he has almost become like, he was feeling like he'd become the sort of forgotten man of the transfer window because he'd only played a little bit of football. And I came away from that game genuinely thinking, mm, yeah, he he's going to have quite a big role to play, I think, before the end of the season. Because, you know, just by virtue of the fact that he can play any of those roles and he can offer something a bit different. And, like, we don't need to talk about O'Brien and how brilliant he is, but, at yep. some point before the end of the season, he is going to need to take a game or two off because just by nature of his age and the sheer work rate he puts in. And you suddenly think, well, you're probably not going to feel that if you can put King into that role. You know, that's absolutely fine. But it, it also made me think of Trevor Chaliver, and it made me think he's just come into some sort of form and he's playing better, and suddenly King looks good and like he's going to get minutes. Hogg and O'Brien look like they work as a two in a four, two, three, one anyway yeah it, it suddenly feels like he's a bit further away from the first team than he was, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, he was dropped to the bench with Jonathan Hogg coming back, and you know Danny Cowley's talked before about how Jonathan Hogg sometimes struggles when he's he says he needs sort of the momentum and if he's if he gets interrupted by injury or suspension then it can sometimes take him a little bit of time to get back into that rhythm. I think he's more talking about the the physical toll there rather than how well he plays, but mm. you know, Hoggy looked good and as you, you rightly highlight that tackle that had us all sort of laughing in the press box and yeah. had the whole crowd sort of cheering because it was a moment in the game where the, the game had been very flat for, you know, as you say the the first few minutes of the of the second half and had been flat for pretty much all of the first half. And that just sort of woke everyone up and you you need that sometimes, as simplistic and and very English as it is to say. You do need a little bit of of that that fire and that that metal sometimes and that is not necessarily something that Trevor Chalabro is going to give you. And when you've got the quality on the ball, I would say that that probably having Bakuna on the left probably made it an easier decision to to take Chalabro out as well because you've got quality on the ball on the left, you've got quality on the ball ahead of you with Smith-Rowe and O'Brien, we know, can, can play a pass as well. So there was probably a bit less need for Chalaber's skills in this game because his main skill is his ability to play those sort of 20, 30-yard passes behind the line mm. when he's not given too much time to think about it and he just sort of looks up and pings one. So, yeah, it, it is a it's a tough one, but those are the tough decisions that a manager likes to have to make rather than, yeah. well, I have to pick this lad because he's the only player that's fit.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. But they, like you've, you've just talked a little bit about it as well. And we've talked about how he can look very passive in the tackle, Chalabar. That's the thing, just because of the way he plays and because of the way he plays with Hogg as a two. But the one thing you get with O'Brien and Hogg together is they just never stop. You know, They're just constantly on the go, there were several moments. I mean, there was one where O'Brien got back, um, that was sort of notable where Stearman was, was over to him and slapping him on the back of the head and giving him a cuddle. It it looks that sort of axis I think of Stearman and Schindler in the middle, hogging O'Brien in front of them, that suddenly feels to me like that is is pretty much set in stone. I, I can't I genuinely can't see anybody getting in there barring a player needing a rest as i said o'brien is yeah he's not a machine he's gonna have to take a game or two off at some point but that suddenly feels like town's best option to me particularly against sides who do come onto them a bit because it just just provides so much uh, so much work rate and so much closing down and It was noticeable, as I said, how much sterile possession QPR actually had in the game, because they just didn't have any space to work within. They just literally couldn't find, uh, you know, a pocket anywhere. Um, And when they did, Lossell was up to it, or they just weren't good enough to capitalise on it. Jordan Hugel had that sort of very sharp chance early on, didn't they? That volley, which, I mean, I can't really blame him for missing that. That was a sharp chance, but... Apart from that, there wasn't much in the game for them in terms of genuinely clear-cut chances, was there?
0: Well, they had one shot in the entire second half, and that was their left-back spanking it over, you know, way up into the back of the Mm. stand. Just just don't know, Brian, the thing that most impresses me is how when he'll get back to make a tackle, they'll run 25 yards to make a tackle, and then immediately, having won the ball, get back up and run 60 yards the other way and start an attack. He's so good at, at those that sort of turning those transitions, turning defence into attack like that. And, you know, that that is down to his engine as he as he himself would put it. But it's also his ability on the ball. You know, he he can dribble. He's not you know, he's not Carlton Palmer hitting a, you know, ten yards ten yard ball forward for him to run yeah. onto, and and he's we know that he can I mean he's up for the goal of the month which is almost certainly going to win for that hit against Barnsley he's got a bit of technique in, in his feet as well and I don't know I, I feel like I mean hopefully he's with the club for a good long time and hopefully the fact he came through the academy um, buys a bit of a bit of loyalty, if such a thing even exists in the game anymore, but I just think he looks every inch like a player who's got a really good mid-table Premier League career ahead of him. The way he's playing at the moment,
1: yeah, I I would completely agree. I I can't see him going anywhere for a while because I think he's just really enjoying his football. And I mean, anywhere else he went, he would he would have to sort of work his way into the first team. He'd spend a lot of time on the bench. So yeah, don't panic, Town fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's not O'Brien in summer transfer shop. But, um, yeah, I, he just... the one. Funnily enough, I know you've just said he's up for goal of the month and it was a great hit against Barnsley, but actually his shooting is the one area of the game I think he does need to do quite a bit of work on because um, he, he does get a lot of sort of edge-of-the-box opportunities and he's a great one for the high, wide and handsome. You know, trying to take the maker's name off the ball and hit it as hard as he can. He had one early doors when QPR, um, their defender, I think, passed it straight. Again, possibly to Mounier closing down. And it was, again, coming in diagonally, edge of the box, and he couldn't get his feet sorted out in time, despite having a load of time and space in front of him. And he ended up just, I mean, it was basically hit it with the outside of the wrong foot. And it just drifted yeah. out, you know, to, to nothingness. So I do think, I think we're all sort of maybe a little bit guilty of forgetting he is a young player and he, he does need to refine and work on certain areas of his game. But you overcome a lot in the Championship just with, through work rate and determination, don't you? And he's, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he's just a a brilliant young footballer with a great career ahead of him. But, yeah, I I thought... It was a pretty encouraging display overall because I don't think me or you have seen Town put together a routine 2-0 win like that for arguably about three years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's the fourth time in two years they've won by two goals or more. It was almost identical, this game, actually, to the whole game early this season. We commented during the game. They just needed that third goal. You know, they even had, would have had Kachunga on the score sheet. You know, a very flat game for about an hour that then sort of gives way to an easy victory. But, yeah, I mean, there's only the the Wolves game and the 4-1 against Bournemouth that they've actually won by
1: two clear goals. And,
0: yeah, they ended up looking, looking easy and good, good value for the win in the end.
1: This is what they've missed, though, so, I think. This is the the, the games where you don't you don't play brilliantly but you you know everybody does just enough and tactically you overcome what's ahead of you and yeah you just get that very sort of simplistic straightforward 2-0 win um and that it I'm not going to say it's a blueprint or anything like that because I don't think it is necessarily but it, if town can add those sort of fairly routine run out victories against teams like QPR then they'll be absolutely fine I mean, what are they now relegation-wise? It's six points and seven goals better off, aren't they?
0: That's right, yeah. We should actually move on to that, I think, and have a look at the relegation battle at the bottom. So I've got the, the table here in front of me. And it, but it's the table, the projected table based on the points accumulated so far. i sort of very simplistically just divided by 31, multiplied by 46, and we keep going on about the 50 points that they need. And Danny Cowley pointed out, you know, you can still go down with 50; it's happened before. But Wigan are going Wigan, who are the third from bottom team, currently on to get 43 points based on that, and that's after they've had some some wins recently. Barnsley on to get 37, Luton are on to get 36, you know, none of these teams are on more than a point per game. And then you've got Charlton on to get 49, Stoke on to get 50, and Town are currently on to get 52, and that's taken into account that they only had one for the first eight. So it's looking a lot better, isn't it?
1: Yeah, like, if Felt significant Saturday, in my humble opinion, with Wigan losing and Town getting that win. It feels like a massive gap, particularly when Town have got to play Wigan at home as well. Um, yeah, it, it, I'm not going to say it's job done or anything like that because complacency will kill you, but we were having a little sneaky look at the fixtures coming up for the various other teams and Wigan have got a run of fixtures before playing Town where you think if they got four points, that would be a very decent return for them. Whereas you look at Towns fixtures and you think six to nine as a minimum requirement, really, and then you've got the Wigan home game and suddenly it's, it's you know, it's, it's done and busted, Like, And I think 50, when Peterborough went down with 50 points, that was a complete anomaly, I think. That was a just a one-off of a season. I think in the Championship, usually you've got to get Maybe 44, 45 points really um, usually sees you home. Um, it has been slightly higher before. But town uh, like I've always maintained that Town will be fine this season, and I, I still absolutely believe that. But I don't think they will finish at 52 points, Steve, because I think they have a little bit of a platform after that transfer window. And I think they're going to finish... I, you know, it's bold to say it, but I think they're going to finish sort of 60-65 to because um, I think you'll see wow, them That put, is bold. Yeah, I, I think you'll see them put a good run together. Um, I, I do. I think they're going to... My gut feeling is that with, with the players they've got now and with... You can see it in Danny Cowley's press conferences as well, though, can't you, Steve? He's, his persona has changed a bit. He looks a lot more relaxed. He looks a lot happier with... What he's got in front of him. What's been good with Danny Callum, we've both commented on it. Is he doesn't uh, sort of give you a flurry of excuses or anything like that. He does talk about, you know, I've, I've had to pick who I've had to pick, cause I've got no options, or we've got a load of injuries. But he doesn't lean into it in quite the fashion that some others do. Um, and he just looks, he just looks a lot happier. <laughs> and I, I just really think that we've, we've got a club here that have got rid of some. Elements in that squad who were causing issues. Everybody feels like they're pulling together. They've just—it's far more encouraging to see them put together a performance that gets a routine two-nil win like that than it is to see them suddenly go and beat someone four-nil. Because it's about trying to find that consistent level of performance that sees yeah. you home. And I—I I just think they put together that seven-game run last year with a squad that half of them didn't like each other and a. Bit of an injury crisis going on. They've now got a squad who are pulling in the same way, plus some new faces from the transfer window. Do not be surprised if they put together an even better seven or eight game run um from here. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, and the other positive is, as
0: you sort of put, alluded to
1: last week, is a number of
0: number of six pointers that have got to be played by the other teams yeah. and include town in this. You know, there's eleven six pointers between now and the end of the season, so that's one. Sort of more weeks than not. Town are only involved in three of them, and all of them are at home, so they've got to play Charlton, Wigan, and Luton at home. But you know, I'm just looking at the list here now: Charlton versus Luton, Luton versus Stoke, Wigan versus Luton, Wigan versus Stoke, Stoke v Barnsley, Luton v Barnsley, Barnsley v Wigan, and Charlton v Wigan. And those are eight games where that Town are not even involved in, where at least one of their relegation rivals is guaranteed to drop points. At least one team is yeah. guaranteed to drop points, which. <laughs> the flip side of that as I put in the conclusions is of course that Town are going to be playing more difficult opposition but I think we've well one we've seen that they've done better against difficult opposition than they have in those six pointers uh, in recent weeks and the other thing is that they they probably at this point need have no fear you know they played well against Fulham despite the result they got that nil nil against Brentford who are absolutely flying at the moment you know they've lost uh, sorry they've won a way to hold they've won at home to QPR there's very little. There's probably only that West Brom game that you look at now and maybe Derby away because Derby are brilliant at home and think, yeah, probably they're not going to get anything out of that and that's fine.
1: Yeah, well, this is it. We we spoke. There'll be one or two people who are listening to this problem. They're thinking about that Leeds game straight away. It's not that Steve's ignoring it, but we spoke about no, that game not. specifically um, after the game Saturday. With there were, there were a couple of us talking about it. And we're of the mind that the Cowleys are on a little bit of a mission now, and they they know again they won't take anything for granted that it's done or dusted, but they will feel fairly confident that they're going to go the right way now. And you look at that Leeds game, and it is there's no getting away from the fact it is a bit of a cup final for Town, you know, like the way they're not going to make the playoffs or anything like that. So it would be great to go and beat Leeds as a real marker for the end of the season and, and a you know a, a result to base next season round and I just feel like they're going to put an awful lot into that game and I'm not saying they're going to win but it suddenly doesn't feel like a game that they're just going to lose in routine fashion and we both fancy that they could get something from there whereas West Brom I think are just I mean West Brom are basically over three quarters of a Premier League football side aren't they
0: so, yeah, particularly particularly with the January signings they've made, they've had a really good window. They're probably someone on Football Three Six Five, Nathan Spafford wrote a piece saying West Brom have won the transfer window, and I think there's a few town fans that would uh, that would have a few things to say about that. But you know, they've definitely improved what was already a very strong
1: score Yeah, and uh, like they've got Pereira, who is not just a Premier League player. I I think he's a Champions League player, really. So. They are miles ahead. I mean, if they don't win the league, it will be a travesty because Leeds are just not as good as them, so they shouldn't finish above them. And I don't think Leeds are as good as Brentford either, um, if I'm brutally honest. And I'm not just saying that because of the run they're on at the moment. I, I've not massively bought into the Leeds hype train, if I'm brutally honest, because I think they're, I think there are some obvious holes in that team and that squad in particular. So... So yeah, this is what I, I mean when I say don't be surprised if town put together a good run now because I think that I think they've got the win behind them. I think they're they're really going for it. I think the Cardiff game tomorrow is tricky, um because it's it's Cardiff are a funny team, it completely depends which Cardiff turn up. And the Derby Very game, looks
0: like KPR in that respect. Yeah.
1: Yeah, very much like that. And the QPR, uh, sorry, QPR game, the Derby game at the weekend is tough because, like you said, Derby are just so good at home that, I mean, if I suspect if you offered Danny Cowley a point now, he would snatch your proverbial hand off. Um, but after that, don't be surprised if they go on a little bit of a run because they have, there's no real soft fixtures in the Championship, but they come up against you know four or five sides in a row that you think yeah they've got a they've got a good shout here a very good shout here so yeah but we better put a prediction on it Steve really on what the Cardiff game
0: or the uh, yeah what what
1: they'll get out of these next two games
0: I mean that's tricky I think I think they'll you know what? I actually fancy them against Cardiff. I think Town are a very—I never would have said this a month ago—but I think they're a very different prospect at home now, Town. Um, so that they'll be targeting a win at very least. I think—I think they're going to get at least two
1: points out of these two games. Ooh, um, that's, bold. that's bold. Yeah,
0: I know. I'm very bold.
1: I think they're going to get three points out of Cardiff and nothing on Saturday. Is my
0: there you go honest well, take
1: on it. I—I I just. I, like Derby are really, really good at home, really, really good, <laughs> and I, I just can't. Yeah, they are. I mean, best good in the of,
0: division at home.
1: Yeah, as as good as as Town have been, I think I can see another Fulham performance coming where I, uh, Town will play really, really well, but just not have enough and lose two one or two nil.
0: Yeah, but I mean, we we've we've been extremely positive here to be fair today, mm-hmm. but. Who knows what would happen? You know, if they lose to Cardiff and you know Wigan win and Barnsley win and Stoke win, or are we going to be sitting here in a week with egg on our faces and saying, "Oh no, the relegation fight's still on"? Or are we still
1: well, we we'll confident sick. that it's we, we'll, we usually got egg on our faces one way or another anyway, but it's rarely to do with football. Um, but I think I I, I I think the weekend was significant, Steve. I think there was. I'm, again, I'm not going to be bold enough to say that anything was sorted out, but I think there was one or two. Town will feel a lot more comfortable and a lot more relaxed, and I don't mean as in they'll take their foot off the pedal or anything like that, but there's a big difference between six, effectively seven points with the goal difference and three points or four points, and I, I, I just feel that will take them a long way. And, you, you know, I it, fancy them tomorrow as well against Cardiff, if I'm honest with you. I really do, because I don't think Cardiff are great by any shape. And I, I think no. Town. I, I would genuinely, I think, probably pick exactly the same side and just tell them to do everything they did in the second half, really, which is just control the space at the back and then not play like the away side, but just pick them off on the break as and well. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference, isn't there, between
0: relaxed and complacent. And yeah, you know, if if, if they're enjoying going into training and getting the work done, and you know, Danny Kelly spoke about the players all went out for a meal last week, and mm. the spirits are good. I think that's that's more what you mean by them being relaxed, is not it? Mm.
1: But that I, what I, when I was talking about Danny Kelly, he just seems more relaxed. And when I say that, I don't mean he's coming in and sticking his feet up on the desk or anything like that, but. There was a spell before Christmas when you could see in the press conferences it was it was tough work, it was hard work, yeah, you know, and he was going through it a bit. Whereas now he's coming in and he's he's very chipper again. We had a a very funny press conference, didn't we, after the game on Saturday?
0: Yeah, Concord Rangers were in the middle of their penalty shootout in the FA Trophy, so we got an extended eighteen-minute press conference while. Uh, Danny sat there checking Twitter for, for each penalty that went in. I think he didn't dare move in case uh, he lost his wifi signal or something like that.
1: Yeah, which he didn't he will do he it the John Smith basically it. kept asking for questions because he wanted to take his mind off the penalty shootout. <laughs> so you could you could have asked him absolutely anything at that moment. And it was uh it w- again it was just a very relaxed, very funny press conference I mean, don't get me wrong, it would have been different if Town had just lost three 0 But again it just shows a marker that everybody just seems a little bit more comfortable now after the transfer window and yeah i i know we have been pretty overwhelmingly positive so i think we should just caveat it all with town started really slowly again and they have to overcome that but i think all signs are good at the moment yeah i quite agree
0: excellent well thank you for joining me on the line today dave uh, I hope you managed to get out of out of your house at Lindley at some point. Are you uh, are you
1: storm ravaged? Well, the the storm was coming out really on Sunday, but we are now we have got a fairly decent covering of snow, and it's getting worse. Hence the reason we're having to Skype this in. But Lindley is always worse, like because we're higher up. Lindley is always bad. So who knows? But we shall be at one way or another. We shall be at Cardiff tomorrow because I don't, I can't see the game getting called off. No,
0: not at all. Excellent. Right. Well, join us next time. Dave is on Twitter at David Hartrick. I'm on Twitter at Stephen Chicken. Leave a review. We never say leave a review, but do that. But only if it's good. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. See you
1: later.
0: <laughs>